Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is John 12. So we are coming down the stretch now of the final gospel. Uh, So you have read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and now you're over halfway through John. It's like we're coming down the final stretch of our journey through the Gospels. And one thing I hope you've picked up on right now is that the path to glory goes through suffering. And you clearly see that in the life of Jesus Christ. Uh, the, The path to glory that he took went through suffering. Resurrection Sunday comes after Good Friday. We're going to see something today that reminds us that's not just true for Jesus. That is true for us. That is the pattern of the Christian life. John 12 is really the conclusion now of Jesus's public ministry in the Gospel of John because chapter 13 is going to shift to several chapters that are more focused on Jesus's ministry to his disciples, even really during the Last Supper. We get this extended look into what went on between Jesus and his disciples. So this before his trial and crucifixion is the last glimpse of Jesus. Uh, We really get to see uh, more out in in public and interacting with the the crowds and the masses. And so this is a big moment in the gospel of John. We'll walk through the chapter, but there's one spot in particular that I want to highlight for us uh, because, but there's several different sections in this chapter um, where the last couple are kind of revolve around one theme, Uh, but it starts with Mary anointing Jesus. And now Mary is the sister of Lazarus and she comes and she offers this really extravagant act of worship to Jesus, a pound of expensive ointment uh, that people say was worth 300 denarii. That means it's worth about a year's wages is what she takes and she anoints the feet of Jesus with this. Uh, So it's this extravagant act of worship for uh, Jesus. And I think we shouldn't divorce that from what did Jesus just do? He raised her brother from the dead. And I do think there is a picture of worship that we should pick up on there, right? This is a specific act. And again, if we think about then, always, now, um, the now application of this is not go spend a year's worth of salary on some expensive perfume and pour it into the offering bag at church this week. That is not uh, the point. What is the point, and the always principle I would draw from this, is extravagant worship is an appropriate response, or even the appropriate response, to what Jesus has done for us. And think about it. Jesus raised her brother from the dead. Well, if you're a Christian, get this. Jesus has raised you from the dead. Not just your brother. He has raised you How should extravagant worship not be the response of all of us for Jesus? And and so what should that look like in our lives? Not necessarily pouring out an expensive perfume, but it should show its 
self in, in many ways in our lives, whether it's just private worship and our prayers with God, whether that's corporate worship, as we sing to God, oh, that man, we should be into that. And I know, I'll admit, that can look different for different people. People express their emotions differently. I don't think there's one uniform way to do that. But however it looks for you, when we gather to worship Christ as a church, man, we should be all about it and we should be into it because we are praising the one who raised us from the dead. And scripture would remind us it's not just about singing. Worship is to be our whole life. Our our life is to be a living sacrifice, as it says in Romans 12. Uh, that's what we should be seeking to, to live out and to do um, because of what Jesus has done for us. But then again, you get that contrast of uh, Mary and her worship uh, versus uh, then the, the response of the Jews. And they are seeking to kill Jesus. And now uh, they're even wanting to kill Lazarus because of the attention that he is getting. And you even see, it seems that from the other gospels, that Mary's extravagant act of worship seems to be the final thread for uh, Judas. And now he is done and he is off to make this deal with uh, the religious leaders. And, And so we see the opposites of Mary wanting to worship extravagantly Jesus versus Judas, who wants to know, what can I get out of this for myself? And honestly, we see these responses today uh, in response to Christ as well. Is it about what you can get out of it, or is it really about Man, what he has done for me, I want to worship him in response. The next scene we get to is the triumphal entry. And again, it has a very regal sense about it. Um, Crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. But one thing to note is that Jesus does not come in riding on a war horse. He comes in riding on a, a horse of peace. And Jesus came on a mission to save, a mission of peace. The, the next time he comes back, he'll be riding on a war horse. But he came on a mission to seek and to save. And we see uh, that that should be undeniable. Uh, Based on what he has done, even the resurrection of of Lazarus, there's no stopping this Messiah uh, with what he has done. Now, this next part contains to me just a very incredible part, one of my favorite parts in the entire Gospel of John, where these Greeks come and they say, we wish to see Jesus. And Jesus responds, look at what he says, starting in verse 23, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. What does he mean by that? Well, his crucifixion is coming. And and you see uh, John and and how he talks about Jesus in his gospel and how Jesus talks, he views his glorification and his crucifixion as linked. The path to glory goes through suffering. And that's what he goes on to explain. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, He must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. 
So he's talking about himself first and foremost. He is the grain of wheat that will fall into the ground. He will die, and that is how he will bear fruit. But then he makes it clear this is the pattern. Also, this is what everybody that means to follow him should do. Do you want to live an effective life for Jesus Christ? Well, then you've got to be that grain of wheat. And that needs to be true, uh, really in the macro level in your life, but also that's a good daily thought. It reminds me of when Jesus talks about, hey, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. That'd be a great thought if you're listening to this in the morning as you start your day. That'd be a great thought for you to think today and every day. Man, I want today to count. I want to be useful to Jesus today. Okay, well then you've got to be the grain of wheat right now. You've got to die to yourself another day. Uh, that you might live for Christ and bring him glory. Now that's not going to mean martyrdom, certainly not every day for you, but it's that mindset of today is not about me. And again, that's not my mindset at my house. That's not my mindset at my job. That's not my mindset at work. My life is not about getting my way, fulfilling my dreams, getting my desires. I am a grain of wheat today and I am living for Christ. And we see Jesus's desire to glorify his father in verse 28, validated by God. A voice comes from heaven saying, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And you see this amazing response from the father showing Jesus's path of suffering to glory. God's going to validate that and God will validate that in you as well. And you see some of the urgency of Jesus, again, calling people to believe, walk while you have the light, or at the end of the chapter, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Uh, So he's talking kind of one last time on some of these themes that he has talked about before. Also, we see, again, some of the same juxtaposition of him, uh, or even the writer here, rebuking people for their unbelief, saying they still did not believe despite all the signs, and then talking about, well, that's God's plan. He blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. Again, we see the Bible putting God's sovereignty and human responsibility right next to each other and not having a problem with it. And that should become more and more our perspective as well as we look at these things. But like Jesus, we should say, my desire is to see more people put their faith in Christ and and To be effective in that, I'm going to have to die to myself. So a lot there in John 12, as it kind of concludes this more public phase of Jesus's ministry, we'll shift gears as we get into John chapter 13. But today, maybe just a couple things to think about as you walk away. One would be, what is worship looking like in my life? Am I responding to the fact that Jesus has raised me from the dead? And the other thought to be today and every day, are you viewing yourself as that grain of wheat? I I have to die. I have to be buried if I am going to bear fruit for the kingdom. That's what Jesus did, and that is the pattern he calls us to follow. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.